Section 40 of the Medici, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume 1, by G. F. Young. Chapter 17. Giulio, Clement Seventh, Part 2. Michelangelo, when the city surrendered, fled for his life and remained for some time in hiding but his talents were too valuable to be lost and clement wanted him for the completion of the family monuments in the new sacristy planned in the time of leo x so he was pardoned and given orders to proceed with the work it may be imagined with what feelings he returned to the execution of such a task in the midst of the daily humiliations of alessandro's rule what memories of a bygone very different state of things in the happy days of his youth under lorenzo the magnificent and what despair at the present degradation of florence oppressed his soul as he laboured at these monuments may be seen in his work and there is no ground for the uncertainty which some have expressed as to what ideas michelangelo meant to convey in these statues of day and night evening and dawn when they are studied in conjunction with the contemporary history and his own words footnote michelangelo referring to the statue of night wrote ah glad i am to sleep in stone while wrong and dire disgrace rage unreproved near a happy chance to neither see nor hear oh then wake me not hush whisper low End footnote. the great sculptor worked at the task given him full of the bitterest feelings at the ruin of his country at the wrong which had been done to her and at the dire disgrace of such a rule as that of alessandro and the statues refer to the day which once had been and the dark night which had now settled down upon florence one regarding which he despaired of any dawn michelangelo left these monuments unfinished not on account of any artistic reason as some have fancied but because on clement's death in fifteen thirty four before they were completed he precipitately fled from florence being in fear of the tyrant alessandro's hate when once the pope was dead germany by the year fifteen thirty charles v had triumphed in every direction spain was reduced to subjection on france had been inflicted the greatest defeat of the century all temporal power had been taken from the pope throughout italy charles's supremacy was complete while his brother ferdinand had gained the crowns of both hungary and bohemia but in germany the contest about religion threatened to produce serious civil war in fifteen thirty charles assembled the diet of the empire at augsburg to endeavour to find means of healing the breach and at this assembly melanchthon put forward a creed which became a rallying point for the lutheran party now for the first time called protestant every effort was made to find terms of agreement between the rival parties in this assembly and at one time charles hoped this had been effected but the protestants would yield nothing from their side and after much discussion they were outvoted and the diet passed a decree severely condemning their opinions as a consequence the protestant princes of germany 
secretly assisted by both francis and henry in order to embarrass the emperor formed for their mutual defence the league of smacaldon but the turkish invasion of hungary had now assumed formidable proportions and to meet it charles after great efforts managed at the diet of ratisbon in july fifteen thirty two to arrange a truce on the religious question whereupon the protestant princes agreed to march with him against the turks accordingly in august fifteen thirty two charles led a large army against suleiman the turkish sultan who overawed by this great display of force retreated precipitately without risking a battle and evacuated hungary and croatia having thus rescued hungary the emperor returned thence and passed through italy on his way to spain he had no intention of going to rome and ordered clement to meet him at bologna regardless of the rough and difficult journey in which this would involve the pope who dared not go by the main road which passed through florence they met at bologna in december fifteen thirty two when a second conference between them took place at this meeting clement was made to feel more than ever the galling yoke of his bondage to charles the latter knew that during his absence in hungary clement had been again making overtures to francis and intended to put a stop to all such procedure on his part as a counterpoise however clement had prepared a scheme for the emperor's discomfiture while the compact which he had secretly formed with francis and which included specific proposals for an attack on milan did not prevent clement's forming at this meeting an agreement with charles to oppose francis should the latter again endeavour to take milan england for nearly six years clement had by various artifices been keeping henry the eighth at bay over the question of the divorce which he desired from his queen catherine of aragon the sister of charles's mother joanna clement in his position with regard to charles desired to retain the valuable aid of henry as long as possible at the same time if forced to choose between the two it was charles whom he least dared to offend and as the latter's power over him grew every year stronger it became more and more certain that clement would soon be forced to make that choice and to break with henry however much he desired to avoid it at last in fifteen thirty two henry would wait no longer he first tried to force clement to his will by making the english parliament pass an act abolishing the payment of first fruits to the pope power being left in the king's hand to suspend the act until it should be seen whether the pope should meet his wishes as this failed to produce the desired effect henry then endeavoured to force clement to a decision between himself and charles by forming an alliance with francis against the emperor charles's retort was the meeting to which he summoned clement at bologna in december fifteen thirty two at which he showed the pope with great plainness that he must not dare to offend him and must throw over henry and refuse to agree to the divorce but the more charles made clement feel his bondage to him the more disinclined was the latter to lose any friendship which might sooner or later prove a help to him to get free from this yoke therefore in secret he still did not despair of contriving by some means to avoid an absolute rupture with henry 
on the twenty fifth january fifteen thirty three henry was secretly married to anne boleyn in february clement ignorant of this marriage granted at henry's request a bull making thomas cramner archbishop of canterbury in may the question of whether or not henry's marriage to catherine of aragon had been illegal was tried in the archbishop's court and on the twenty-third may both houses of convocation several foreign universities and many of the leading canonists of the day having given the opinion that that marriage was void from the first the archbishop acting with other bishops annulled it and three days later confirmed that with anne boleyn but even this did not cause clement as yet to break with henry francis was henry's close ally and clement hoped to obtain francis's influence with henry to persuade him against a breach with the pope therefore though clement expostulated and threatened the final thunderbolt of an excommunication was held in abeyance for more than a year clement hoping by persuasion to induce henry to take back his wife when his fickle nature had had time to grow tired of anne boleyn although clement had succeeded in his scheme as regards florence he did not find his own position improved the emperor still held him bound in fetters fetters which were stronger than ever since francis had been shut out from interfering in the affairs of italy and while thus cut off from gaining assistance from francis clement felt that he was now being forced by charles to break with henry also when he would become more than ever the emperor's bond-slave clement therefore now executed his great and final coup during the latter end of fifteen thirty two he managed secretly to arrange a compact with francis which would bind the latter to him by an actual matrimonial alliance this was nothing less than that the heiress of the medici family catherine now fourteen should be married to francis's second son henry duke of orleans now about sixteen the bait by which clement won over francis to this proposal was not only the enormous dower which catherine would bring with her but also an agreement on clement's part to assist the french king to retake milan having secretly settled this with francis clement proceeded in december fifteen thirty two to the meeting with charles at bologna and there in the course of their discussions clement mentioned to the emperor the idea of such a marriage pretending to ask his advice about it and carefully concealing the fact that he had had any communications on that or any other subject with francis charles knowing that francis was again planning to get hold of milan and being particularly anxious to prevent a friendship between him and clement which might assist that endeavour and never believing for a moment that francis would agree to such a mesalliance advised clement to make the proposal thinking that it would bring upon him a rebuff from francis which would produce ill-feeling between them whereupon to charles's astonishment and disgust the thing was promptly carried out the emperor having departed to spain clement pushed on all the arrangements as fast as possible and in october fifteen thirty three the marriage was performed by clement himself francis also being present as a part of the terms of this marriage it was secretly agreed that on francis gaining possession of milan with the pope's assistance that duchy should be given to henry catherine's husband 
clement hoping to gratify his ambition by seeing one of his family in power at florence and the other at milan and clement returned to rome in december feeling much secret satisfaction not only at having achieved so advantageous a marriage for his family but also at having outwitted charles who had held him so long in chains and who was left with no power of taking offence at this marriage since he had been led by clement into actually himself urging the latter to propose it but clement had not a long time in which to enjoy feelings of satisfaction before five months were over there pressed upon him from another direction matters which made the last half year of his life more disastrous than all that had preceded for the cloud in the west now grew to greater dimensions than those of a mere personal quarrel with a king and in the last six months of clement's life events supervened in england which in their momentous importance to the papacy threw all else into the background for here was no case as in germany of a certain number of individuals however powerful revolting from the pope but an entire national church was casting off his supremacy and a whole nation by its legislature enacting laws prohibiting obedience to his authority while a king instead of restraining these actions was instigating them and this nation also was that which had hitherto furnished the largest supplies for the support of the papacy if one or two more countries should act in the same manner there would scarcely remain any papacy to fight for in march fifteen thirty four both the church and parliament of england separately repudiated the supremacy of the pope the convocation of the church of england repudiating that supremacy as opposed to the principles of the catholic church and an innovation which had not existed for the first six centuries of the church's life and declaring that the pope hath no greater jurisdiction in this kingdom of england than any other foreign bishop and the parliament of england passing an act which made appeals to the pope high treason thus the repudiation by the church of england of the papal supremacy took place before the actual rupture between henry and the pope this latter followed four months later when in july fifteen thirty four the pope pronounced a sentence of excommunication against henry unless he would take back catherine of aragon and put away anne boleyn clement thus still leaving a loophole in the hope that a rupture between himself and henry might even yet at the eleventh hour be avoided henry however refused to do this whereupon the breach became complete thus had henry's personal quarrel with the pope led to greater consequences than even a king's excommunication and had enabled the church of england to cast off that papal supremacy which had been wrongly imposed upon her for five centuries the sentence of excommunication against henry the eighth was the last public act of clement the seventh's life he died less than two months afterwards on the twenty fifth september fifteen thirty four at the age of fifty six his life ended in the midst of the gloom caused by the darkest of all the storms that had come upon the papacy and he died with his name execrated in every country and unregretted by a single human being it might have been thought that whatever the northern races might feel at least in the capital city of that papacy on behalf of which he had contended so strenuously some reverence might have been felt for him 
but it was not so in a letter to the duke of norfolk three weeks after the pope's death a roman catholic correspondent gregory de casal writes thus the joy in rome was great the most bitter hatred was felt for the dead pope by every human being a hatred which unappeased even by his death showed itself by repeated nightly attacks upon his tomb once it was absolutely destroyed and the corpse was found transfixed with a sword and had it not been for respect to the cardinal de medici Ippolito, the body would have been dragged through the city by a hook at length an armed guard had to be set over the tomb since it was every night broken and defiled with all sorts of filth thus ended clement the seventh by setting before himself ignoble aims and pursuing them with complete unscrupulousness he did the greatest harm to his own family to florence to italy and to the papacy he died leaving half europe fallen away from the papacy rome a ruined city the name of his family hated where once it had been honoured and italy from milan to naples a field of slaughter bathed in blood and tears at first sight clement the seventh's pontificate is an enigma he one of the cleverest members of an exceptionally able family who had been the guiding genius of the papacy throughout leo x's much praised reign seems in his own pontificate to be perpetually engaged in the most unsuccessful schemes and involved in the most grievous troubles indignities and losses all without any apparent necessity and with a result which has caused his pontificate to be considered the most disastrous on record the key however to this enigma and the clue to the whole history of these eleven eventful years is to be found in the reports of the venetian ambassador at rome antonio suriano the latter immediately after clement's death set himself to show to his own government that one single underlying motive was the cause of all clement's actions and the key to his otherwise inexplicable conduct and that this all-dominating motive was the endeavour to avoid the assembly of a general council sodiano writes two long reports to his government to prove this point and draws out in detail the many things which clement was willing to endure for the sake of this one object while he states that clement's dread of a general council amounted to nothing short of abject terror in his first report sodiano points out at great length the many occasions on which this exaggerated terror had impelled clement to the most strange course of conduct stating that this overwhelming dread of the general council and this alone induced the pope to smother his resentment against the emperor for the many mortifications received from him and specially for the never-to-be-forgotten outrage of the sack of rome all was if not forgiven endured in silence so long as there was any hope that by keeping charles in good humour the council might be staved off and it was only when the emperor definitively insisted on its assembly that clement began again to lean towards francis in the hope that the latter would impede it suriano states that clement would not even suffer the word to be mentioned in his presence and gives in detail the many cogent reasons he had for dreading it 
in his second report the venetian ambassador gives a masterly sketch of clement's whole policy and again points out that through all his manifold schemes there had been this one motive only for this says soriano took place the conference with the emperor at bologna and the league between his holiness his majesty the emperor and your serene highnesses for this the cruel and shameful siege and conquest of florence for this the marriage between the emperor's daughter margaret and the infamous alessandro for this again the marriage between the duchessina and the son of the king of france again for the same reason when the arrest in hungary of the cardinal ippolito de medici occasioned the pope on account of the indignity such poignant grief that he wept over it yet was it all passed over unnoticed nor could any circumstance avail to arouse clement or cause him to quarrel with the emperor since his holiness considered that the friendship of the emperor secured him from the council so much dreaded by him for this same cause pursues the ambassador although his holiness had but little love for the emperor who ruled him and led him whithersoever he would yet he was obliged against his will by necessity to consent to whatever the emperor chose without manifesting any resistance and all this from fear of the council therefore considering this his painful position and the slavery as it may be called in which the emperor held him and still more the danger of the council he began to show himself more accessible to the most christian king francis i and hence the marriage of the duchessina was planned his holiness's idea was that by this alliance of his niece with the son of the king of france he should lay the foundation of two pillars of support for his family and his own affairs especially in the so much dreaded matter of the council in the hope that by these means some settlement of the religious questions might be attained and at least the dreaded council be avoided and soriano sums up by saying your lordships then may be assured that clement used all possible means to avoid a council and the fear of it tormented the mind of his holiness to such a degree that by reason of it he even lost the friendship of the emperor and of others and finally his own life to which may be added the break with england for clement would never have allowed the breach with henry to occur had it not been for the threat of the assembly of a general council which charles v intimated to him in the plainest terms should be the result of his agreeing to the divorce of his aunt but there is something deeper to be seen here though strangely enough it has passed without notice if we look back through the long roll of the centuries we shall see that all this means in one word retribution and so we see canossa at last avenged and after four centuries and a half instead of the scene enacted there which burnt itself into the memory of europe we see the roles reversed and behold a successor of the emperor henry the fourth making a successor of pope gregory the seventh his abject slave who trembled before him and placed the papal authority at his entire disposal to be used only in accordance with his behests End of section forty.